Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Hello, Narrow Way to Broadway, and welcome to this week's prayer and meditation. If you are new here, welcome, welcome. We are so excited that you are tuning in. My name is Emma, and I am one of your co-hosts of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. So last week on the podcast, we heard from Christopher Smith, um, the composer, lyricist, creator of Amazing Grace, the musical. If you haven't already listened to it, please, please, please tune in. Um, His story is so powerful, um, and you do not want to miss out. So while listening to this episode, naturally, I had the song Amazing Grace stuck in my head. Written by John Newton, we all know the song, at least the first verse. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. This, in a lot of ways, was an anthem for abolition and continues to mark the minds of people, namely Christians, everywhere. Everybody knows the song. It got me thinking... Why? Uh, Why this hymn? These words, why are they so central to the faith? What makes this sound sweet? What about grace makes the blind see? What, at the end of the day, makes grace amazing? I think in order to find out why something is amazing, we have to define that thing first. So let's start with defining grace. If you're new here, you don't know this quite yet, but I'm a total nerd when it comes to defining things um, from scripture, from the original um, text. So this is it. This is the nerd alert. Um, so in the Old Testament, the word grace is derived from the word hen, K-H-E-N. Hen is described as favor or delight in something. We see hen in Psalms and Proverbs when describing grace as a tangible gift. We see it in Esther when the king finds favor in Esther. And in the most extreme version of hen, we see it in Jacob and Esau when Jacob cheats his brother, disappears for 20 years, and returns. In Genesis 33, 8, Jacob tells his brother that his desire is for him to find grace or hen in his eyes. Note that this isn't fair. He doesn't deserve it. And yet he is met with undeserved grace from his brother. We see God exercise hen all throughout the Old Testament with the Israelites. They continue to fail, worship other gods, commit themselves over to sin. And over and over, this is how God interacts with his people, by imparting hen. In the New Testament, grace is the Greek word charis, which means glorious gift. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is described as God's glorious gift to humanity personified. And later in Ephesians 2.8, Paul says that by God's grace, or charis, he has rescued us through the gift of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, and that all we have to do is receive it. Grace is the gift through the person of Jesus. So here, my friends, is the rub. The idea that death to life as a gift that we simply have to receive often leaves us with a giant cannot compute sign in our minds. Why? Why is this so incredibly difficult for us to understand? And how and why does this inability to understand grace lead to a culture of gracelessness? I think it is because we genuinely cannot reconcile with the fact that God would give us a gift that we don't deserve and that part of our call as believers would be to do the same for others. 
our mind literally can't deal with the inherent, apparent paradox that is the grace of God. We struggle to impart or model true grace because we can't receive it. We can't receive it because we don't believe it, and we don't believe it because we don't deserve it. This is probably why counselor David Saman summed up his career in this way. This is from Philip Yancey's book, What is So Amazing About Grace. Saman says this, Many years ago, I was driven to the conclusion that the two major causes of most emotional problems among evangelical Christians are these, the failure to understand, receive, and live out God's unconditional grace and forgiveness, and the failure to give out that unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace to other people. We read, we hear, we believe a good theology of grace, but that's not the way we live. The good news of the gospel of grace has not penetrated the level of our emotions. In his book, Sheris, God's Scandalous Grace for Us, author Preston Sprinkle says this, Grace is irrational in the sense that it has nothing to do with weights and measurements. It has nothing to do with my intrinsic qualities or so-called gifts, whatever they may be. It reflects a decision on the part of the giver, the one who loves, in relation to the receiver, the one who is loved, and it negates any qualifications the receiver may personally hold. Grace is one-way love. One, grace doesn't make demands. It just gives. And from our vantage point, it always gives to the wrong person. We see this over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus is always giving to the wrong people. Prostitutes, tax collectors, half-breeds, the most extravagant sinners of Jesus' day receive his most compassionate welcome. Grace is a divine vulgarity that stands caution on its head. Whoa. A divine vulgarity. That sounds pretty amazing to me. So where does this lead us? In my own walk, my inability to reckon with true grace leaves me one of two places. Either I allow the weight of the undeserved part of grace to press on me so hard that when I sin, I am left in an unconsolable puddle of shame, unable to approach God because I don't feel like I deserve to be in his presence. Or I allow the gift part of the de definition of grace to take over, allowing me to justify sin or ignore sin because the gift was something I could just say yes to. I do what Peter in his first letter describes as using my freedom as an excuse to do evil instead of in true God-given freedom. The thing that is so amazing about God's grace is in the fullness of its definition is that it is both a gift and it is undeserved and results from his delight in us despite our flesh and sin. I heard a pastor today say that salvation is free, but it came at a very large cost. Before I pray, I'm going to read the lyrics to this hymn. I'm going to try and let these words sink into my heart in a whole new way and invite the Spirit to use these words to radically transform the way I see grace. Please join me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. 
He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall too dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Let us pray. Dear God, your grace is amazing. It is an undeserved gift that you have allowed us to just say yes to. We know that this gift of grace would not be possible without you becoming man, without you sending your son to exist with us on earth. Know all of our struggles and our trials and our temptations, God. We thank you for Jesus personified as this gift of grace. Um, We pray that we can pay attention to this. We pray that we can know that this was a gift that we get to receive and that we get to impart on others, God. We pray that even though we may not be able to understand grace, um, that you continue to give it to us, that you continue to love us. Um, We pray that as we go about our days, um, that we will know the weight and the reasons for why grace is amazing. It is amazing. (laughs) That is so cool, God. Um, Let us know that. Let Let us impart that on others. Let us receive that. We thank you for your son. We thank you for our days. Amen.